The views and opinions expressed on Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. You are currently tuned into Eye on the Triangle here on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. Hello everyone, this is Brian Jurado, the Public Affairs Director here at WKNC and host of Eye on the Triangle. We've got a great episode for y'all today. We're going to be started off with Emily, Abigail, and Heidi from The Technician as they run through their weekly news. Following the weekly news, we have two interviews for you today. Our first interview is with the Capital City Shufflers, and our last interview of the day will be with the Durham History Museum. So stay tuned. Hello guys, welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. My name is Abigail Ali. I am the news editor for Technician and today I am here with... Hey guys, I'm Heidi. I'm one of the assistant news editors at Technician. And I'm Emily. I'm the other assistant news editor at Technician. And today we brought you some news tidbits from around the triangle and yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so for our first tidbit... Over half of the women coming to a woman's choice, which is an abortion clinic, are out-of-state patients, some coming as far as Missouri. Their spokesperson, Amber Gavin, said that they are currently serving women from all over the South, particularly the states that have outright banned abortion. And if you look at a little map of the states that have, we are completely surrounded, pretty much. South Carolina and Georgia are the only other two, and they still have um, abortion bans of some sort. So only 14% of the patients were out of state in August 2021, and even some in-state patients must travel over 100 miles to the Triangle in order to receive a safe abortion. So I'm glad the Triangle has resources to provide safe abortions, but I think this reiterates that Roe v. Wade, the overturn, is a classist as well as sexist decision because traveling is expensive. If you think about traveling from Missouri, like whether that's plane or like driving in a car, that's like a lot of money. So a lot of women likely can't get to North Carolina or another state that performs safe abortions, and Republicans only need a couple more seats in the House to override Governor Roy Cooper's veto. So super nervous about that with Election Day today, but we need to support local abortion clinics if we have the means, and it's too late to bully you guys into voting since, well, today is voting day and you will not be hearing this till Sunday, but I hope everyone voted. Yeah, I was like thinking the same thing when you said that. I was like, wow, so like, People who live in states where it's banned, like just and can't afford to come here, like that is just awful. So, um, I do agree. Like it does reiterate, we should be supporting local abortion clinics for sure. Yeah, and I don't know how. Like, I don't know if there's any ways like people can get funding to those who need an abortion but don't have the means to travel to a different state. I was like, I might look into that because I feel like we need to support them just as much as local abortion clinics. Exactly. Yeah, definitely, and it's. That's, like, one of the biggest reasons I voted this year. Like, I mean, I like to vote anyways, but, like, this year it was definitely, it felt important just because we are one of few in the South that are still open to people to be able to get their abortions. And it would really, really, really suck if we weren't available for people anymore just because it is getting harder and harder. Exactly. Because if it gets shut down in North Carolina, then people would have to travel even farther, which is, again, like really classes so yeah yeah and that would be a nightmare even if you were in the triangle you had all the sources you needed 
that would be like the most stressful thing to deal mm. with. Having to worry about figuring out how to get like five states over, that's not fun. Yeah, no, like it's traumatic enough going through that. Like when you have good resource or resources and the funding to do it, like yeah. I could not imagine if I didn't have the resources and I lived in a state where it was literally illegal. So this is why everyone should vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you didn't vote this time, make sure you do next time. I'll be Please mad if thanks. you don't vote next time. <laughs> All right, so my next tidbit is um, about Apex police seizing drugs that were inside cereal boxes and candy bags at a vape shop. So apparently they served a search warrant at Apex Tobacco and Vape Store, and they walked away with 116 chocolate bars with a Schedule One substance inside, which I'm not exactly sure which one it was, um, 3.3 pounds of weed and THC cartridges, and they also walked away with drugs packaged in cereal boxes and bags of candy. So the news article on RAL, or WRAL was talking about how some moms have indicated concern that since the drugs are packaged like innocent food items, they wouldn't be noticed by parents, which I think is an interesting story. But I also think it kind of reminds me of like how there were like all those like rainbow fentanyl scares that happen around Halloween and then Halloween or experts are like, okay, it's really unlikely. Like, don't be too scared about it because it takes away from like the severity of just like overdoses and stuff too, to just worry about like Halloween candy. Um, But I thought it was really interesting that that's occurring at tobacco and vape shops. And I guess watch out if you buy cereal at tobacco and vape shops. You don't want to <laughs> be surprised. Yeah, I was just thinking that's like a random place to get those items. Yeah. Well, not, I don't know. It makes sense that there's like, I don't know, drugs, I guess. <laughs> but like, yeah. it's weird that people would choose like a vape shop to get cereal stuff anyways. Yeah. And like candy. I feel like I an feel accidental like... problem with that happening is super unlikely because like, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you would just. The target a audience is already like there, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. They're not targeting I don't think children. Moms are shopping there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that has to be some sort of insider like issue or like deal, like you know, because like who buys cereal from a vape shop? But imagine if yeah. you're like a high schooler, like addicted to nicotine, and mm, you go to a vape true. shop and you're like, and you get hmm, I want a little snack. to something crazy. Yeah. Like, what if you buy like a like a no, you're right. <laughs> like some sort so of terrible true. substance just because yeah. you were hungry in a vape shop, like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how drug dealing works at all. It confuses me a lot. Because like, what happens if someone accidentally buys that? Are you gonna be like, no, you can't buy that? Like, I don't get it. But yeah, that's a good know. point. Like, I think what? Point. I think it's less of like to me. I think it's less of a concern for kids, but it is a concern like for like the high people schoolers accidentally that are getting in. it. Yeah, because like vapes and nicotine, it's not great, but like it's not like a schedule one substance. Like, yeah, if you're going in and then you're gonna buy like a little chocolate bar you might not know that it's, like, got something in it, you know? Yeah. Right. And also, if they were selling Schedule 1 drugs, like, no way they're IDing people and be like, yeah, you're not 21. You <laughs> can't buy vapes here. Yeah. So like, true. Yeah. Ooh. Up next, Maha will be interviewing the Capital City Shufflers. What's up? My name is Maha, and you are listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM, HD1 in Raleigh. Flash mobs. What? Yes. I'm here with Vanessa and Greg from Capital City Shufflers. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Pretty how are good. you? Good, good. So can you guys tell me about Capital City Shufflers and tell the audience about it and uh, explain how it started? Um, we're basically a community of people that love to dance. Um shuffling and it started with me basically looking for other people with the same interest um one day i came along greg 
well, I didn't say that right. I came, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I met Craig at the park yeah. randomly, and we just started dancing together and been dancing together ever since. Me, him, Paul, and Yanni, yeah. and uh, Mike and Vanessa, I think yeah. they're there too. And Jason. He's Jason too, there. yeah. So can you explain the history of shuffle? What is shuffling? Um, shuffling started in the underground rave scene in Melbourne, Australia. And it started with Melbourne shuffling, which then um, I think Malaysian students were coming to Australia to study and they took shuff Melbourne shuffling back to Malaysia and kind of tweaked it and that started Malaysian style and then we had like the Cali styles and then I think Cutting Shapes came from London in the 80s and Russian style, like there's a whole bunch of different styles of shuffling. Um, yeah, I really don't know anything <laughs> about like history of shuffling. <laughs> I really, um, my first introduction of shuffling was way back, I know the Party anthem song, I think that's what it's called. The uh, every day, LMFAO, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like a lot of people were introduced to shuffling in that video, and uh, at the time I had no idea how to do it or what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, finally started uh, trying it out, and then got with the group and everything. And My mind just got blown. So I grew up on that song, yeah. and I just realized every damn shuffling actually right. is right. shuffling. Okay, everyone in the audience, y'all remember LMFAO, how can you not? When he says every damn shuffling, and everyone was saying that, and it was on the shirts, the stoplights, yeah. like the stickers, everything. They were talking about the dance, and we have that here in Raleigh now. Isn't that crazy? All this time later. Okay, yeah. I, I just had a whole epiphany in 10 seconds to just wrap up. Thank you so much. I did not know that. I didn't, yeah. well, I didn't realize right, that. Right, yeah. <laughs> I grew up on that song nice. for some reason. Um, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Vanessa. That's awesome. So can you tell me more about Capital City Shufflers as a group and the direction that it started in and where it's going now? Yeah, so like Vanessa was saying, we got like a lot of uh, just great people coming together, dancing, you know, periodically, like every few weeks or so. And, um, you know, everybody's just a good energy, good vibe. And we're just trying to, to bring people together, bring the community together just through music and dancing. And, you know, we're just growing a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. we got our, our sister uh, crew in Charlotte, Queen City. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a good time. So. What does dance mean to each of you? Dance to me is um, a form of expression. It's an art form, of course. Uh, it's just uh, an extension of our creativity. Um, it's how we express our emotions and... You know, it's exercise that <laughs> we all need, and it's like a fun way of exercising. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's all that. So, mm -hmm. uh, dance is uh, freedom of expression and creativity, and is good for the soul and your mental health. And I just love it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
I think that dance has helped heal both of you. Oh, yeah. And in a way, you two use it as a means of, like, physical exertion, I guess yeah. I would say, like, exercise, basically. But exercise is so important. I think that, um, you know how people get gym buddies and stuff like that? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that Capital City has really helped build a community of, like, I don't want to say gym buddies. I want to <laughs> say, like, people who motivate each right. other to, like, you know, push their goals exactly. and want to do better. Because I think, for me personally, the way I see it, as someone who has attended some of these meetings, I would say that, like, it helps a lot to have friends and family, who friends who you consider family right. or friends and family, that motivate you to learn how to dance. For me, my goal and objective was to learn how to dance yeah. and be comfortable dancing. And I definitely felt the air of that um, at all the meetings that I've attended so right. far. Yeah. And I hope to attend more soon. Right. <laughs> like you said, like, there's this, uh, there's this energy at the meetings that, like, it gets you moving. It gets everybody moving. It's just... It, it makes you tired, but in yeah, a really right. very, like, rewarding way. Exactly. The way exercise does. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome. So, what is the best thing about Capital City Shufflers? What is your favorite thing? I mean, this can be something that's publicly known, something that you keep in your heart, that you yeah. want to share to the audience <laughs> now. I mean, it's, it's whatever you want. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think the best thing about Capital City Shufflers is uh, kind of what we've been talking about, just... The community aspect mm-hmm. of it, and it's um, like I said, it's just a lot, a lot of great people that come out, and everybody just yeah. has this great energy about them, and we've all just formed these like great bonds that carry outside of the group, and mm-hmm. we've all become like really cool, cool friends and stuff. So, I think that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, community definitely same, one hundred percent. We're, we're like a little family. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And everybody's welcome. So. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So is Capital City planning on going global? Or are we staying local to the triangle? Um, well, we've worked with other shufflers and stuff um, from other states. Um, so one of the Kaya Collective members from Florida came up. And we met, and we did a choreo together. So, like, we just, you know, I want to meet shufflers from every state if I travel. Like, we've been to the DMV, which is uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia um, meetups at... Uh, I thought you meant the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess y'all really right. just get down everywhere, huh? <laughs> um, But, no, thank you for clarifying. So, uh, DC, DC Maryland. Maryland, and Virginia. Yeah, the DMV shufflers. Okay, yeah. cool. So we went to uh, Project Glow Festival. Okay. Um, we went to one of their meetups the day before the festival, and then attended their meetups at at the festival. Um, you know, met some of them. We've hung out with some of them. Then went to Baltimore to Moonrise, and went to another meetup they had. It's just a vibe. You know what I mean, right. like. Meeting shufflers everywhere and people that have the same interests and community and just a, you know, loving feeling just all over. I just love it. It's great. I think that one thing that interests me most about um, what you guys were just talking about and connecting with different states and different artists is, like, when you, when I watch you two dance, 
right? There's so much, like, energy just around the movement, right? right? So I can only imagine how exciting it must feel to collaborate with people from all over the world. Right. Um, so how did, how did you make it so that you met these people? What is what brought you, the, you and these groups together? Um, and I what makes it so magical? I connect with a lot of them on Instagram. So I'm always talking to shuffles from everywhere. And then I also take, uh, I, I take classes from some of the OG Cali shufflers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're pretty well known, uh, like Migs and um, Taco. Um, and then uh, Gabriel from, I think he's from San Jose. He came to our meetup mm-hmm. a few months back. So yeah, I mean, I just talk to I just talk to people, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, and like uh, because we we make dance videos, so um, when we post them on Instagram, a lot of times other shufflers will see them and then they'll reach out or they'll add you, and then you just form this bond on Instagram before you even meet them, and then you do meet them at a festival, and then you get to dance together. So yeah, that, wow, that's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's like a it's. It's so much bigger than I than oh, yeah. I would think that it was because, you know, it's one of those things that everyone dances everywhere. And mm-hmm. there's so many different styles and so oh, many different things right. that bring people together. So it's just, like, amazing that, like, without even talking or saying much, you can just connect and contact people. I mean, yeah, through social media, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it must be, it must feel amazing to be both of you and just dance <laughs> with these people. Um that you meet from because I mean I do interviews with some amazing people from around you know the world or the US but like to dance with somebody um, that sounds great that sounds so cool (laughs) (laughs) I added that in there I'm gonna cut that part out but I added that in there because I was curious um, but that sounds like that sounds so (laughs) that was a good question Yeah. yeah now I'm wondering what would you recommend for people who are a little scared to reach out, who are bad at dancing, have some sort of idea or belief, for whatever reason that it is, holding them back from joining Capital City Shufflers? Um, what is some advice you'd give to someone who's scared to dance for whatever reason that is? Well, I would say, um, like I said earlier, dance is an art form, and art is subjective. So I don't think... Uh, if you think that you're a bad dancer, you're not a bad dancer. <laughs> and we're not going to make you feel like you're a bad dancer. Right. So, like I said, everybody's welcome to the meeting. So if you come out and dance, like we'll, we'll show you how to do it. And if you give it your all, we're going to root you on and cheer you on and all this stuff. You're going to have, you want to feel that energy. So there's no need to be afraid or nervous. And I get it because I, I do struggle with that myself. But, uh, you just kind of have to push yourself out there and just just let go and be free. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I would give the same advice also. Don't be scared. Like, we're not judgmental people. We like to, you know, meet new people, you know, teach them. You know, you want to learn, come, come out to the meetups and we'll teach you. Um, there's no judgment. Everybody's really cool, really chill. And we all help each other grow. So, and more than dance also. Okay. Like, yeah. And the meetups don't cost money, mm-hmm. do they? No. 
Right. So it's just for community and building and yeah. learning. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's like a it's like a public resource. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. like having fun, <laughs> that's the place to be. Exactly. <laughs> it's free. Absolutely. So, a uh, quick question, a little personal. What is each of your individual histories with dance? How did you come to discover that this is what you like to do? or what you want to do. Now, for the audience listening, I have seen Vanessa and Greg dance together, separately. (laughs) I've seen them tear it up. They are phenomenal shufflers, phenomenal dancers. How did did it all start for each of you? Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) no, for real. I watch the reels. I go to the meets. Um, I watch the reels more now because I'm just, it's cold and I'm busy. (laughs) I want to make it to more because I do love it always it's always a good time but anyway so so what is your individual histories with dancing how did you get into it individually like how did you start um I went to EDC in 2016 um and that was when I was in my little head banging phase (laughs) (laughs) and I seen people shuffling and um I asked my sister I was like what is that and I was like amazed just by looking at them for like maybe five minutes and I always wanted to learn, and I didn't really start until 2019. Um, before the pandemic? Yeah, uh-huh. a little bit before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so I, my brother-in-law was like, oh, here's TikTok. And I was like, what's TikTok? <laughs> I knew what TikTok was. He was like, yeah, they're, they're shuffling on TikTok. You can learn how to shuffle through TikTok. So I started off, you know, watching little videos here and there, and trying to learn on my own and then I started taking classes with different shufflers um online classes um yeah and that's about it for me (laughs) how about you yeah um I think we probably started around the same time I feel like I started right before the pandemic um taking it a little more seriously because like like I said I was introduced to it uh, that uh, LMFAO mm-hmm. video but oh so after 2012 you started getting into right, dance yeah, after like, that video yeah like I said wow. I saw it and then I never really tried it until later but like right before uh, the pandemic um, my buddy Yanni he was like the first one that actually showed me like shuffling and stuff and then I was like oh that looks pretty cool and I didn't try it for a minute and then when I was at home alone one day I was like I'm going to try to learn this and then started recording myself to see what it looked like. And then the pandemic happened and then you have nothing else to do, but, but <laughs> dance, practice, right? you know, right. um, yeah. So that's how I started basically. Okay. Okay. Now musical events are only as good as the music itself. So are there any specific DJs that you would like to give a shout out to? And who are the DJs who work with capital city shufflers? Um, we have uh, Bebo and from United House Produ- Productions, oh, yeah. YesPs, um, Duplex, uh, Devaldo, uh, EMB and Ian, yeah. um, um, Vlad, Seppi. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of DJs. <laughs> lot, uh, Sean from Rabbit Hole. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I miss anybody? Like I said, we Tracy probably Tracy Apa, a lot. <laughs> DJ Apa, Tracy, yeah. So, do all these DJs play at the same time, or do they play like just based on availability? How does that work? Um, I just reach out to them and see, you know, what their availability is. If they want to do it, you know, um, and most of the time they're down. Um, 
lot of the DJs are really uh, generous with their equipment and stuff too. So they'll bring out like their subs, um, their big CDJ, CD, is it CDJ, CDDD, <laughs> whatever, the big thing, the, the big, the um, big speaker DJ. thing. Right. That, not, oh, not the, the table, oh, the, the, the board, the board, yeah. but there's like certain names and I'm like really like completely <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. I know it's CD something. CDJ? Yeah. Yeah, oh, CDJ. Right okay. <laughs> yes. So yeah, awesome. so they bring out all their equipment yeah. and, you know, they're just very generous in that nature um, and we love them for that. So, yeah. And it's a lot of good local talent. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. if you come to a meetup, you're going to hear some of the best DJs around in this area to showcase their thing while we're doing our thing, you know. So mm-hmm. Didn't one of the DJs open Masteria and or Bass Walker, is that right? Um not no, not well, yes, Peace played last night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah, he he did a back to back with uh Mysteria yeah. okay. last night. Um I I think Bebo has opened for Walker and Royce. Mm-hmm. Um Which is big, yeah. exactly. That was huge. Um I think who opened for, uh, was it Matroda at Alchemy? One of them did. Was that Yes Peas? Was it yes I believe it was Yes I think I saw it on the Instagram when um, you guys posted on Alchemy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really big. Yeah, so they've opened for some big DJs, and it's exciting for them. And oh, yeah. Exciting to watch, yeah. Absolutely. And we've kind of grown with them a little bit yeah, with uh, especially Bebo like I feel like <laughs> as a community like with the shuffle group and them uh DJ and everything like we've all grown together mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing because some of the some of the shufflers actually started as shufflers and then moved on to DJing so like Tracy a uh, DJ Apa she 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 was a shuffler and well she was always a DJ too and then Paul Bebo mm-hmm. Um, he started shuffling and then started DJing and Jason, same thing. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Okay. I mean, that's multi-talented. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I I didn't realize until I put it all together because to me, I'd just be scrolling through the timeline <laughs> and I'd just see these cool events and I want to go to them. But that's that's amazing. That's a really big deal. That's really cool. Okay, I have one more question for y'all and then I'll let you go. Um, cut. So how can people find out more about these events that you host? So we post them on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I usually try to do meetups twice a month. Um, and I always post a week before the event, just you know, so people it can get around a little bit for people to come out and hear about it or whatever. So, um, Yeah, so just... Uh Make sure you follow those pages, and <laughs> we all, like, all the members of the group, we uh, try to repost it and everything, so if you're following us or whatever, it's out there. Like, we share all the, the meetups and stuff. So. And it's all levels, styles, and flows welcome, so even if you're, like, a hip-hop dancer, right. you can come, you know, groove with us. It doesn't matter if you're, if you mess with the Silk fans or have that kind of flow or staff or anything who, you know... Come on out. Absolutely. I love that. So it's very self-expressive. It's a safe space. It's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless it's a ticketed event. Uh, we do have one ticketed event, which is November the 11th. It's a warehouse after party that we've never, nobody in Raleigh's ever done that before. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. It's from 11 till 6 in the morning. Okay. And it's a secret location. Oh, is that what a warehouse party means? Um, Like it's underground kind of. That's why it's like a secret oh, location. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. It's like so, an after, after. Yeah. So like I don't even know how to ask like what like how do I do like so what the, do I do? I want to uh, go. The, the flyer is on the page. Okay. Um and it has like a QR code you can scan to get all the info. Tickets are 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um if you wait till the day of it's 25 and I will be releasing the address to the location uh 24 hours prior to the event just in case for people who want to just pay at the door. Okay. Last minute. So we've got a lineup full of like amazing local DJs. Yeah. Um, seven of them. Mm-hmm. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. That's yeah. awesome. So I'm like still trying to understand. So if we see this flyer or we see the f- event posted, do we reach out to you for the address? Do we do a puzzle, a riddle? I don't know. What, <laughs> how do we how do we figure out? Because I mean, I've heard of these parties, but I've always been like. I've always just seen people just get a text with the address or they show up with like a, a picture and they give a password at a door. How do I like, how do, what, what do you do? So there's a link in my bio. Okay. Um, so you go to the link and it should have instructions on um, how to pay, uh, when the address will be, be released, what mm-hmm. kind of party it is, um, all that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like it's not known until the time of. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna release the address like 24 hours prior to the event. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's how people do it. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, that makes way more sense. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the air and sharing about your beautiful group and what you do. I love and support you both. Thank you. Um, and I love and support Capital City. Shufflers, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. This is Maha signing off. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Maha with Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HG1 in Raleigh. We are joining Clay Harrison with the Museum of Durham History and looking forward to speaking about the new exhibit on Floyd B. McKissick, opening on November 18th, 2022. Hey, Clay, how are you? Hi, Maha. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great. Can you introduce yourself and your affiliation with the museum, please? I'm the operations manager here at the Museum of Durham History, Um, and I've been with the museum for a little over a year now. Do you consider yourself a historian? I've always been interested in historical documentation and archive work, so uh, it just kind of fit. So in your own words, who is Floyd B. McKissick? Floyd B. McKissick is an icon. Is I think that is the best word to describe him. He was an attorney, a civil rights leader, brains behind the Soul City community, utopia here, in North Carolina that was planned to be a safe haven for people of all colors. The museum is very excited to host this exhibit because Floyd McKissick is, when when someone thinks of the civil rights movement, they think of Martin Luther King Jr. They think of uh, Rosa Parks, um, Malcolm X, and closely behind those big names is definitely Floyd B. McKissick Sr., a Durham native. Absolutely, absolutely. 
What kinds of events have taken place in Durham? The museum proudly displays stories throughout Durham's history that aren't too well known. Everyone is familiar with Duke University and the legacy of the Duke family. Everyone at least has some inclination of the tobacco industry that used to exist here. However, the Museum of Durham History focuses on those stories um, that are not told too often. Uh, and, and when I give my regular tours of the museum, I always have this narrative that uh, Durham did it first. Durham has a lot of great stories from its past of things that happened first here. For example, the probably the most impactful one was the Royal Ice Cream Sit-In in 1957. When people think of North Carolina's civil rights history, they usually believe it started in 1960 over in Greensboro at the Woolworth counter luncheon. However, in 1957, the North Carolina civil rights movement started right here in Durham with the Royal Ice Cream Sit-In. 1998, the NC Mutual Life Insurance Company began. Uh, that is the, it's, it's still operating to this day. It is the first life insurance company to offer policies to African-Americans. And another more uh, contemporary example is uh, Zwelly's, Piri Piri. Uh, Zwelly's is the first Zimbabwean restaurant in not just Durham, but in the entire U.S., I don't know much about the Haytai community. It is a word that has been thrown around in my classes that I wanted to ask you about now. So can you tell me what is the Haytai community and what happened to them in Durham? Sure. So the Haytai community, it, it still exists to this day. It is located south of Durham's downtown district, south, uh, southeast thereabouts. The Haytai community was um, home to Durham's Black Wall Street. Uh, it was a thriving business area for African-Americans, especially post-Civil War, post-industrialization uh, here in Durham. Um, and uh, it, it is still very much celebrated to this day, especially through organizations that the museum works with, uh, the Haytai Heritage Center, big shout out to them. As a matter of fact, we're collaborating with them on the upcoming McKissick exhibit. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, the Black Wall Street district of Durham was very much affected by the Great Depression and World War II. And the spirit of Haytai was also killed, essentially, Durham's re-innovation of its downtown district uh, in, in about the 60s and 70s. Durham tore down a lot of old buildings and replaced it with the buildings that are currently standing. And unfortunately, that, um, and uh, as well as the installation of uh, Highway 147 right through downtown Durham, that the city took up a lot of land that was in the Haytai community and used it to install the highway. So uh, you, hear, you hear the word killed thrown around when you talk about the spirit of Haytai. Uh, however, as I just mentioned previously, the museum, the Haytai Heritage Center, a lot of local historical organizations work to keep that, uh, the memories of the Black Wall Street alive. That literally shattered my heart. So essentially, like if I got this right, right, because I haven't done much research or delving, but I figured it would be credible to ask a member affiliated through a museum about my historical burning questions. <laughs> Haytai was a community founded in Durham that was essentially a Black Wall Street and like accelerated the progression of 
financial independence for the black community and it essentially became like gentrified and torn down through the city deciding to build highways basically is what you're saying and then now it's kind of like it's still here and alive but it's not as physically big or as grouped as it was before the great depression is that right that's a great summary of it yes okay Um, as a matter of fact uh speaking to our past exhibits we had a visual exhibit entitled lost to the loop uh, and it talks about uh the downtown loop here in durham it's essentially a circle that loops around the uh the city center and it was part of that industrialization era of durham in the 1960s 1970s that destroyed uh, a lot of old buildings specifically in the Haytai community Yes, gentrified is is a great word of what happened in Durham at that time. So question about the museum. When did the museum open and how has it served the Black community and the Durham community at large? Uh, Sure. So um, as a matter of fact, the museum just celebrated its ninth birthday a few weeks ago. Uh, We moved into our current space uh, at 500 West Main Street in downtown Durham on October 12th, uh, 2013. So uh, next October will be our our one decade anniversary. We're very, we're very excited for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how we have served um, uh, Durham's community, specifically marginalized communities. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we try to tell Durham stories that aren't mainstream, that aren't well known. For example, the upcoming exhibit, The Life and Legacy of Floyd B. McKissick Sr., Uh, while he is definitely a civil rights icon, he might not be the first person that people think of when they think of the American civil rights. I want to correct a statement I said earlier. He's not a Durham native, but he uh, is definitely well established here in the area. His family still lives here. And so we serve the community, specifically those marginalized communities, by telling those stories that aren't well known. Right, right. That's, that's personally how I believe real history is. So I really can get behind the values of the museum because it's not like hidden or unknown history. It's history that was, in my mind, intentionally attempted to be painted away or chipped away at by elitists whose agenda it just wasn't serving. Now, I wanted to ask you a question, Clay. Who is your favorite activist and why? my favorite activist goodness (laughs) that's a great question how how can i choose maybe you know what i i'll give uh two different answers um on a durham uh level i think my favorite icon from durham's civil rights history is the reverend dr polly murray she is a legend in the purest sense of the word she was a very cool woman during her time. She was the first African-American woman to be ordained as an Episcopal priest. Wow. Uh, she had her PhD. So quite literally, her full title is the Reverend Dr. Polly Murray. And a fun fact, she she did some casework with Ruth Bader Ginsburg when they were both still alive. Where can people find information about these exhibits and upcoming events? Absolutely. Uh, our, our website is very accessible. It's just modh.org. We'll take you right to our homepage. Um, there you'll find our blog, our events, um, any upcoming exhibit programming. You can also find all of our online exhibits, contact information, hours, location, 
You can find it all at modh.org. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at, at Durham History, no spaces, no caps. For this upcoming uh, exhibit, the full title is The Life and Legacy of Floyd B. McKissick Sr. The main exhibit will open here at the museum on November 18th. However, this is a very special exhibit because we will have two satellite displays. So the main text will be here at the museum. We will have, we just opened our satellite display just in time for NC Central's homecoming at the Turner Law Building at 640 Nelson Street. That particular satellite display uh, looks at a lot of the lawyer work and casework that McKissick had done in his life. And we will also have a satellite display at the Haytai Heritage Center. Right off the top of my head, I don't know the address. I'm very sorry, but it, it'll be the first thing. If you just Google Haytai Heritage Center, it's the first thing that pops up. Okay. Um, and that satellite display will focus a little more on um, McKissick's political ideology and, and the Black Power movement. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds amazing. I can't wait. I personally want to check that out. That sounds right up my alley. <laughs> Upcoming on November 18th is going to be the Floyd B. McKissick exhibit. If you're interested in learning more or checking out the museum and their upcoming events, check out the website and social media pages that were mentioned in the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Clay. Thank you very much for having me, Maha. that is all for today's episode of eye on the triangle i want to thank emily abigail and heidi for their awesome weekly news i also want to thank clay from the durham history museum and vanessa and greg from capital city shufflers i hope everyone has a lovely rest of their week music for today's episode has been tupelo honey by chris hogan licensed under the youtube audio library